Greetings, New Zealand naturopath Eric Backer, author of Candida Crusher and formulator of the Candida range of dietary supplements. Thank you again for tuning into my video. I really appreciate you watching my videos. This is the third one in a three-part series on how to recognize the Candida patient. I did one previously on how to recognize the female patient who may you suspect having Candida. I've just done one on the male and this is the third one, how to recognize the child with the yeast infection. So I'll read a bit more out of my book. A child with candida can be mislabeled hyperactive or learning disabled by a practitioner who does not fully understand the true significance of pediatric yeast syndrome. Dr. William Crook, who wrote the Yeast Syndrome book, was a pediatrician who noticed that many of his young patients would improve significantly once their yeast overgrowth was eradicated. It's a pity that many pediatricians today do not have the same level of clinical experience with intestinal dysbiosis and children's health that Dr. Crook had. Children who have candida may manifest multiple allergic syndromes that can affect them on many different levels. These children can even display behavioral and learning difficulties as a result of their individual reactions to foods, chemicals and preservatives that may be linked to a candida yeast infection. In my clinical experience, some children do not need drugs like Ritalin after all, particularly if they are first assessed and treated for allergies and carefully screened for candida yeast infections or SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Like Dr. William Crook, I've certainly noticed over the years that children who have both behavioural and learning disabilities as well as yeast infections display a marked reduction of symptoms once the candida is eliminated, much to the, uh, the parents' relief. So, what else to be right here? A very important part of candida treatment with children is getting them away from sweets as much as possible, right? And a good way to start is by limiting all soda drinks, candy, sweets, and unnecessary food and drink items. This can present as a challenge, and you will find it an easier task with younger as opposed to older children. Believe me, I have four children, and you know how difficult it can be. Well, I know how difficult it can be, but it is achievable, especially if you offer your child fruits instead of highly processed sweets, ice cream, candy, and soda drinks. Even though fruits contain sugar, they don't contain the same kind of sugar as you would give straight out candy or ice cream. Give them diluted juices to sort of, you know, step them down. <coughs> um, a case comes to mind uh, about a year ago of a lady who brought me a five-year-old boy with incredible attitude problem. In my room, he was pulling all my books off the shelf. <coughs> he was jumping on the furniture and he was very disruptive. And the mum told me that she was feeding him one and a half kilograms of cheese a week so that equates to about, I think, three or four pounds of cheese a week, just giving him big slices whenever he was screaming. Now, I mentioned to her about this connection with the molds, potentially the allergies and the behavior, and she was a little bit, oh, well, how can that cause any problems? And, but the amazing thing is when the child was brought back in about six weeks, he sat there on the chair with his hands folded on his lap and didn't move. And she said to me, it's incredible how he's changed. And that was just the cheese. So food is really, uh, in some cases, linked up to behavioral problem. So just pay attention to that. So how do you recognize a child potentially with a yeast infection? Well, let's read some things out of my book here. The case history will often tell you. If you're dealing with a child who is candida or not, I regularly have naturopathic students who sit in for observations in my clinic. And I'd like them to be aware of the importance of case taking when it comes to children in the clinic especially. A case well taken 
Is it case half solved? What happened in the past is probably one of the most important questions you can ask the mother. It's surprising how when you ask a mother when, a child was, when her child was prescribed an antibiotic in relation to her, her child's health problem, time and again you will see the relationship with the antibiotic and the effect, the bowel, skin, immune or behaviour or other problem. <clears throat> Many children I see have, have had recurring antibiotics given and you can actually see the breakdown in health each time these were given. Look for the child who has a strong, sweet or sugar craving especially. Careful questioning during the case taking will elicit this crucial information. Whilst it is not true that all children who crave sugar will have candida, it is true that most all children with candida have very strong sugar cravings. Don't just look for a craving or strong desire for candy or sweets. Look for the desire to consume orange juice, soda or fizzy drinks, dried fruits, dates, figs, sultanas, lots of chewing gum, biscuits and a host of foods high in sugar. And often with this craving, you'll see the behavioural attitude with it. So if the child's not given this, you're going to get crying, screaming, and you're going to get all these problems associated with you know, not giving or placating to that child's uh, desires. Look for the child who eats many pieces of fruit every day. If there has been a history of recurring antibiotic prescribing before the onset of the digestive problem, you can almost guarantee there'll be some kind of a yeast uh, problem or SIBO, a SIBO bacterial problem. A child with recurring worm infections, or worm infestations, itchy anus for example. Does a child have an itchy anus or complain of sore tummies routinely? There could be a sweet craving underlying again. Suspect the yeast infection um, in children who get uh, recurring worm problems. Children who live with one parent, listen to this one, and then spend every second weekend with the other parent. This is often the case with separated or divorced parents. Therefore, always ask the question, does Johnny live with one or both parents? It is surprising how many times I've heard, oh no, in fact he lives with his father half the time. In cases such as this, you may find the child will be spoiled uh, with one of the parents with lots of sweets you know, or, or things that the child desires, and the other one may be ultra strict. So that could be an issue. So the child may, may be very awful at the mum's place, for example, not getting the sweets, and very nice at dad's where he, he or she is getting the sweets. Beware of grandparents, or we call the outlaws. They sometimes feel it is their right to be able to give the child special treats, you know, read in inverted commas, sweets or, you know, or, or ice cream or candy. I found that when a child stays with one parent on the alternate weekend swap or with the grandparent, there may be a behavioral change or a worsening of the symptoms. In this case, you want to carefully assess the diet. Again, ask the questions. Ask the questions, you know. Abdominal pain, which is undiagnosable by a bowel specialist. Think about dysbiosis, including parasites and or yeast infections. Once you've concluded there's no fecal loading, like severe impaction or constipation, treat for yeast infection. Sometimes an um, abdominal x-ray is required to, or ultrasound to see if there's any abdo uh, obstruction going on there. A child living in a cold, damp or mouldy environment who is always sick, you will need to be moved to a better environment before you begin to work on the candida eradication. In New Zealand, we've got a lot of children who live in drafty homes, cold homes, leaky homes. I had a consultation with a lady in Denmark yesterday whose house was also quite mouldy. And because I put up a video on mould, she realised that that was her problem. And then she carefully looked in the bedroom and she saw some mould up on the top. And she, she started to understand that she was always getting worse in the beginning of winter 
and in spring and summer she cleared up and then she put one and one together and she worked out it was the mold that was causing the problem. Right? Any child on pharmaceutical drugs long term, does a child take asthma drugs like Ventolin or Salbutamol or a steroid preventative inhaler? Perhaps a recurrent prescription of an analgesic, antidepressant or other medication? I routinely have seen children with drug-induced uh, sickness and yeast infection. And a lot of children's medications can be high in sugar as well. You'd be surprised to know how many cough medicines contain sugar in them. Right? Any child with a current bladder or urinary tract infection. Obviously, you will want to rule out diabetes or other blood sugar issues. Uh, any underlying urinary issues that can be ruled out by a urologist, for example. But if there are recurrent and, uh, urinary tract infections or bladder issues, then you may want to treat for yeast infection. Any kind of recurring infections in the gut, you know, and bacterial or yeast in origin, uh, you know, carefully check them out. A child with recurrent ear, nose, throat or respiratory or sinus infection. Once again, suspect antibiotic use and in some cases you'll be surprised to learn that the child has never well since antibiotics. Any child you suspect of being celiac, always check for bacterial yeast or parasite infection long before you consider gluten allergy or intolerance because it's more likely the child will have an issue with yeast rather than gluten. Does a child crave sweet foods or drinks? Has there been a history of antibiotic use? Has the child travelled or been on holidays before diagnosis of being a celiac? You know, did the kid pick up a parasite somewhere for example? And what, more importantly, was the celiac uh, diagnosis based on a biopsy or was it just basically through a blood test? Because blood testing is not an always accurate indicator of celiac. Right? And last but not least, the child with a terrible attitude. I've often seen children in my clinic presenting with behavioural problems and sometimes severe. No doubt like many naturopaths. Uh, I'm not saying for one moment that all children with behavioural issues have candida infection but a surprising number do. So how do you distinguish between a child with yeast infection who does not appear to be uh, fitting with the family dynamics and a child, for example, who has autism? What I do is look at the child's diet and how strongly the child craves certain food items as a starting point. Many yeast infected children will have a craving for certain foods as strong as their attitude. They may even rule the household and simply demand these foods. These are the children with food allergies as well and many of them have an allergy towards sugar. So Dr. Crook picked that one up a long time ago, that the sugar craving is the strongest craving. And often the strongest craving can dictate the strongest allergy. And the strongest allergy can dictate the strongest behavioral problem. Right? So if you've got that sorted, that food sorted, you may well have the behavioral problem sorted and be more easy to manage the child. Don't forget to, to subscribe to my channel if you can. I appreciate that support. Uh, also check out yeastinfection.org if you want to have a look at the internet's best source of information for uh, candida yeast infection information you'll find on that site. And check out canzida.com for some of the best products online. And thanks again for tuning in. I appreciate it.